Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. The one, the only, the infamous, the famous, 321, Monica Perez. Hello, Clint. How you doing? I'm doing very well, thank you. I've missed you. It's been a little bit too long. It has been a while. There's a lot of stuff. Here's what we've talked about this several times in the last few years. Our news cycle now is like 20 minutes. So if we go months without talking, there are a hundred news items. Do you know, and I know it probably doesn't happen as much because you have so many high thinker, high powered thinkers and wordsmiths on your podcast. But do you know how many times I'll see a headline and immediately I go, I wonder what Monica Perez thinks about that. Well, thank you for thinking that. Uh, I want to say a couple quick things to you and ask you two quick questions. One is, um, you said you want to go in the time machine. What, what, what decade would you go back? What years are you going to go back to? Well, what I, I that whole mid-century modern thing really appeals to me. So it uh-huh. would be like the 50s. And okay. Austin continues to have a little bit of that. Uh, you know, I... What are you going back to? I think it would be the 50s. Really? Yeah. I say, I, I don't know. Uh, what would you do? I, well... I always tell my kids, sorry about this. I got a kid texting me and I don't ignore kids in case they, they need me or something. Um, I am, I believe this in my heart, the best music, the best movies, the best culture was from basically 1970 or 75 to yeah. about 95 or 2000. I wouldn't mind going back to between 85 and 95 and redoing that whole thing again. That was a little fun. I had a good yeah, time. I did. I, I listened to eighties music and oh. I remember it and I, it's so funny cause it's totally upbeat and that's what I love about it. And I yeah. always think of it as kind of, um, lighthearted and froofy, you know, and, uh, I, my, I went to a festival around here called cruel world a couple of weeks ago. Okay. And it was like Billy Idol, Adam Ant, the human league, Adam oh, Motion, wow. um, modern English. So I had like, you know, I had, I found clothes from the eighties that I owned and wore. And I was like, Oh, I'm going to wear my, whatever Madonna. That's fantastic. So I show up. It was thousands of people wall to wall. Every single person except for one guy with plaid pants was wearing black. It was like goth. What? Goth. And my husband's like, it's not goth. It's emo. I was like, whatever. Emo. I've never heard of that either. I don't, I don't even know. know. So, so it was, and it was people younger than me, like, uh, and that, so they were, this was like me going to something from the sixties. Like there was a thing called desert trip and the desert out here yeah. and it was the Rolling Stones, everything, the Rolling Stones it, it were famous before I was born. Yeah. So, yeah. And still everyone in the audience was my age, not like my. Old well, I grew up with, you know, Creedence Clearwater and Steve yeah. Miller band, and they were yes. popular before I was born, but that's what my parents were listening to. My daughter gets comments all the time from like her boss at work or older people when, when she knows a CCR song or Steve Miller or ACDC or Metallica even. They're like, how do you know that music? And they go, because I was raised right. I know all yeah. the 60s, 70s, and 80s, 90s music. But these people, this was like New Wave was the roots of what they were doing later, which got a little 
yeah, you know, gothy. Yeah, yeah. So I like I felt like I should be the one who is, but you know, it ended with Iggy Pop and Susie and the Banshees, which I guess is more of that kind of punk stuff. But yeah, I thought of the 80s music as super upbeat and cheerful and really reflected like our feelings of positivity uh-huh. in that time and Ronald Reagan, and he really made it feel like the American effort was driving this engine. But of course, I hate to admit this. If you look at the national debt. Under no, no, no. Stop. Stop. I was with you. Stop it, Monica. Why <laughs> I are you love, always I cried when he off? was shot. I cried. Good, I, he was a good president. He came I in, he it. took over a crappy economy and he, you know, I get it. And he was positive. Yes. He was a uniter. Yes. And that really mattered. But Here's what I picture. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. No, your turn. You're, no, you're I just guest. want to say what the economic... Yeah. That has something about the culture of America, but you go first and I'll go. All I was going to say is all I picture when you tell me that story is that there are a thousand black t-shirts and you walked up with the happy, sunny, smiley face totally. like Forrest Gump. And you're totally. like the one t-shirt. I, I had a t-shirt that literally had rhinestones in it and it was Commander <laughs> Salamander on the moon one. And I, I was like, and I literally bought a Cruel World t-shirt, put it on over my t-shirt. That's hilarious. I mean, I just, I was too old to be yeah. the, as my husband says, stand outy. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't be and I'm too older skinny. than you. So that frustrates me. That, that frustrates but I me. Saw, so. I don't know about that. So I saw yeah, Billy I, Idol and that was great. I'm and at I, least 10 years older than you. You know, I would, I would have gone along with that. I'm 55. Farce. I'm 55. It's, I can't get away with it anymore. I'm 55. You can't. America does have a culture. I've thought about it. I think our culture, and this is why immigration was so successful before there were barriers to immigration or the welfare state, is that we had this, uh, I think it's an economic culture. It's an, an, an essentially productive consumer voluntary culture. So people would come here because they weren't satisfied with the opportunities in their own culture. They would come over to try to access greater opportunity. I think a third of them, which would be consistent with my family, a third of them went back because they, you know, it was sink or swim and they couldn't sink or swim. <coughs> There's also a positivity about it because mm-hmm. we had, I think other Western countries, you know, in the old world, they didn't have an opportunity to gain land through effort. And I, I don't, I'm not going to address at this time, the, uh, disrespect. I mean, just for starters, that uh, was visited upon the Native Americans, like they their property rights were not respected. And that's absolutely wrong. Right. Uh, yeah. However, our I'm just talking about our culture, the culture of the young country of the United States that was put here. Um, that the attitude that came from the idea that there was land to have an opportunity is very different from the old world, which was the land is taken. It is a battle. We'll never get, we'll never have an opportunity to just get property other than to buy it from people who appropriated it, you know, in the feudal system. So there's, there's that. And and we had that opportunity after the enlightenment. So our laws reflect Mm-hmm. This um, property rights, the ability to gain property, and I think because of that, you know, if you talk to Europeans, Europeans will say that that we are so innocent, that we're we're hopeful, that we're not cynical as a country, and I feel like that's a reflection of all the opportunity we've had in the past. Once, and I do think Obama was the turning point. Once we went to where we were highly regulated state, more than half the state was 
you know, the economy was government. Then you get to that same thing where we're just trying to, where it's a zero sum game and we're just fighting over who gets which slices of the pie. But prior to that, I think it was, it was just wide open sky's the limit. And that, that made us joyful. Yeah. Yeah. And I like what you're saying. I think it was a, we're going to go see what we can build and create versus we're going to go see what I can get. Yes. In other words, I'm going to yeah come and give me, what can I get? Look at the better life that I will have once I get there. They're going to take care of me, which I was, okay, some people need that. But a lot of it back in, you go back 150, 200, or, you know, whatever it was, a lot of times people were coming here because look what I can, I can go build with my family. Right. We can go build this together. Nothing stopping us other than, you know, hard work. And if we can't make it, we can come back. Yeah, I, I agree with that. And I think that they that when you when you take when people think about what they can build, what they can contribute, it you know, it adds to your own sense of accomplishment yeah. and you don't have to fight with other people for it. And and part of that fighting with other people for it is an attitude that the haves have ill-gotten gains, that the haves have gotten what they have unfairly. And I think when we started having the government-connected rich was a larger proportion of the wealth than just the hard-scrabble entrepreneurs who made it. I think that's that's a big turning point. when Because the government-connected rich, then all of a sudden it's political wealth. And it's actually a term for it, a political entrepreneur. Yeah. And that will foster resentment, even especially by the people who hate it the most. So their system of big government creates the government-connected rich who are on their face clearly benefiting more than the contribution they're making economically. Yeah. Yeah, we see this now. We called it crony capitalism forever. We see it what yeah. happens when 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 companies start doing political work and political work starts doing company work. That's how banks can't fail. And you got Disney fighting with states. And I'm like, Disney didn't get in the business to fight with states. And what in the hell are we saving banks for if they can't make it? We know that inflation is you know, affected by, you know, bond uh. are inflected by inflation, which affects the. It's just such a big circular thing. They create a problem and they step in and go. We've got it. I'm like, no, get the hell yeah. out of the way. You're the problem. Yes. You're that, yeah. And people forget yeah. that fascism is a form of socialism. Yeah. So, you know, it's the National Socialists. So yeah. that's why it all goes together. That cronyism is a function of big government, and then they have to pay it back. Otherwise, they get riots. Do you do you feel the – and I said this some, on a podcast the other day. I'm not – I see, I think we're being played against each other and they'll use whatever, you know, misogynist, they'll use racist, they'll use homophobia, they'll use uh, rich against poor, they'll use all these different things. But I think we are getting segregated on based off ideologies now. I said something to the other day. It's I don't think it has to do with the old segregation as much. They are segregating us like a cutting horse. They are cutting us out, putting us in the group that we fit into you know, if you don't assign yourself a group, one will be assigned to you upon entry and, <laughs> and, and you're in this group. And so this group gets this message and we need the group to respond this way. This group over here gets this other message. We need them to respond in a different way. And it's way easier to control 10 groups of 30 million people than it is one group of 300 and 300 million people. Uh, yes. And um, I had a little display problem. Uh Yes, they they encourage that, and I and I know like 
Hillary started the basket of deplorables. And then I feel like the other basket. So I feel like we can all kind of coexist in the basket of deplorables. I've always thought like as a libertarian, like I will, I, the tent has to be big enough for absolutely anyone who believes in the individual as the cornerstone of society rather than society itself. Like anyone right. on the Aristotle <laughs> side goes under the same tent and anybody under the Plato side and I can even understand the Plato side of it, but I'm just saying that's how I was always thought of it, the ideological divide, and that I will take the basket of deplorables on the Aristotle side. But on the other side, which is no longer has any ideological framework, I call them the basket of irrationals because it's it, like I hear the, especially out here, the idea of hands off my body so super pro-abortion to the point where we have this insane constitutional amendment here. It's just unrestricted access to abortion. I think the government will ha has to pay for. So people will come over the board. It's just horrible. It's horrible. And uh, there's that. But then there's you know people who are absolutely militant about vaccine mandates and masks and climate. Yeah, all right. All that stuff. Super militant about restricting your rights in every other regard and um, say they're communists, but are OK with the government mandating vaccines that are produced by private companies who in turn lobby for these policies. I mean, nothing could be further from what these communists, so-called communists think communism yeah. is, and they're advocating for that. So it's just totally rational, but they accept that entire basket. And I think, I think to your point, that that's how they divide us. Like they just, it's not even ideological anymore. It's, yeah. it's just team oriented it's headline, just like fans. We, we've talked about this before. It's yes. just like football fans. Yeah. I wear my foam finger and my coach can't do any wrong. Your coach sucks. Your players are all cheaters. That call went against us. There's no, I don't. And, and to be honest, with you, I have no objectivity when I'm a fan of a football team. I want my team to win. That's the breaks of the game, man. I'm sorry. Blah, right. blah, blah. But when it comes to politics and how you set policy, that sh that stuff has downstream effects to our kids and our grandkids. If you don't care who wins at any cost, then all of a sudden, and this is what I, me and Eric Buchanan talk about this all the time. You start giving power. <clears throat> you start putting things in place that give your team more power, air quote team. Well, you better hope you never lose power again because then that hammer is going to be turned around and, and used against you down the road. I, I, here's my prediction for the election coming up. Here's my prediction. I'm probably going to support DeSantis. I like DeSantis better than Trump. I like, you know, Trump served his time. I'm, I'm okay. He did some stuff I like. I think he's become toxic. I don't think he can win a general election. That's my opinion. I like Tim Scott. I like Nikki Haley. I wish Tulsi Gabbard would get back into it on the conservative side. But here's my theory. Here's what's going to happen. Michelle Obama is going to end up running for the Democratic Party. She's going to wait till kind of the last minute within the last six months. She's going to step in as the hero to save the party. That's my prediction because no one else can win an election, especially if Trump loses in the primary. If it's DeSantis and Biden, there's no chance he doesn't steamroll over Biden. So the, Michelle Obama is going to come back in, I think, either way. Here's what I think happens. If Trump loses the primary, Trump's going to be a third party candidate and split the Republican vote. And then whoever, then you can run me as the liberal and I will walk away with it because Trump's going to take 20 to 30% of the vote. 
and the Republicans will not be able to muster. They're not going to get 80 million votes out. They'll get 40, 50, 60 million, and they'll lose to somebody who gets 70 million. That's okay. my prediction. I have a lot to say. Yeah. Every <laughs> single person you named is an operative, in my opinion. Absolutely I know that. I knew that. Was- Even DeSantis? Especially DeSantis. How about, how about Tim Yale. Scott? He was a Navy SEAL. He's a judge, advocate, general. This guy could not be more deep state. He's obviously, and they not let everybody's him be in the, the deep hero state of is, Well, okay, but not everybody. So I read the Durham report. I read all 306 pages of the Durham report. And in there, you see there's good FBI agents fighting back going, we should not be doing this. Why are we doing this? They get steamrolled. They get, they get taken off the cases. But there's people going to see the text message and the emails are like, this is out of protocol. See, Why are we doing this? That is so staged. This is the Mueller report thing, right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, okay. Well, no, it's the Dur- the Durham report. The yeah on the, the Mueller the, investigation. Yeah, well, yeah. On, it was Crossfire. Okay. The Crossfire whatever. that just came out. I remember the Mueller report. Yeah. I read it when it came out. The Mueller report was was a couple years ago. This one just came out about a month ago. Three. But weeks it's ago. pertaining to that yeah, topic, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yes, ma'am. So when you read the Mueller report from uh-huh. way back when. And I made this point at the time. Everyone's like, this is so thorough. This is whatever. Every single solitary point in there that was footnoted, every single solitary thing was either from a mainstream media article uh-huh. or these, I think they're called 301 reports, these ridiculous, totally, um, uh, these FBI reports that FBI agents are allowed to jot down in their notebooks a month after the after the event, they're absolutely yeah. lack credibility. They're extremely problematic. So upon the face of the Mueller report, it was obvious bullshit. Now, Dur- Durham did his own interviews, though. He had his own. I, but it doesn't matter. Like the I, whole I, thing. It, it did it. Why? It's like is, a screenplay to you, isn't it? Yeah, well, definitely. Why would it take 300 pages? Why would it take all this? All anyone had to do was read the thing to see it was nonsense. You don't have to investigate. You can. That's great. But it was okay, on well, its face nonsense. To, to Just like point, the FDA authorizations of the, the thing that you probably don't want to talk about. Because no, I don't mind talking about people it, yeah. like, well, they never, you know, they said it was to prevent the spread. I remember upon reading it the first time, it said absolutely, absolutely nothing about not. that. Well, and to your point, now we can talk about the vaccine. We don't get pulled down now, and now they because say, it's all out. They and everybody's like, like they, oh, we're sorry. They were deceived. I'm like, you were only deceived because you didn't you read didn't the read primary it. documents. Well, okay. So going back to the Durham thing. So one of the things it says in there, and it's in the first, after it sets up how they did the report, which is like the first 50 or 60 pages, it gets into it. And it talks about the Yahoo News article that was released. And they found out who actually leaked it and leaked leaks were used strategically they're like weapons you know they're just leaked whatever but what's really weird about it is in that report it says if the fbi had done the work that this news article had done it would have realized that everything it did was completely bunk before they went and did it that's ridiculous yeah that's, so it's implausible that there's that so how's Clint, the reporter can go figure it out but there's Monica, not a chance the, yeah not a chance right. especially since reporters are completely controlled you're not allowed to bring out stuff that they. No, you, you're hard. right about that. They get fired. Yeah, they totally get fired. It's not even believable. So that's yes. Barry Weiss. That's why she she worked at the at the at the university, but she also worked for the one of the big publications, and she got let go. But she was like, "There's no diversity of thought anymore." Yeah, she's a Carol hardcore Atkinson. libertarian. She goes, "I'm," I started bringing up stuff, and they were firing her. It's not just ideology; it's the facts. You can't bring up facts. 
Oh, that's that's true facts. Well, yeah, now that's what they call facts now ideology. I don't know if you know that. Yes, we, yes. There's a I new thing in the propaganda thing. So, so do I think that Trump is gearing up to be Teddy Roosevelt? Probably. Yeah, I think. He but is you know, 100%. Teddy Roosevelt worked for Wilson. Oh yeah, I did. Yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? So yeah. if yeah. Trump does but, it, it's just because he's still working for <clears> Zucker. <throat> Monica is wrong about the Durham report. Oh, look at us getting pushback, Monica. He was investigating, he was investigating the, the origins of Russia Gate against Trump and the fact that it was a Clinton campaign tactic. Because it did. It did come okay. out. And Clinton, Hillary Clinton did come out and say before this whole thing started, they had yeah, it I written remember that. down. Yeah, we're going to go after Trump and Russia. So Yes, I remember that. That's old yeah. news too, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yep. So I just, you know, <laughs> I, like Monica. <laughs> I don't know. I, I Yeah, may, maybe. Yeah, that's it. But see, now that kind of thing is really a, just a distraction. It was like her. What server. is it distracting us from? Because me and you do agree on this. Yeah. But I OK, real quick. Are you still a libertarian, though? OK. Um, I, yeah, I mean, it's hard. I, I want to find it. I was never I've never been a party girl. I absolutely believe in free markets and, uh -huh. uh, you know, entrepreneurship. I, the anarcho capitalism, while I do believe that it will work theoretically, I think that we're in a position where it either intentionally or unintentionally by <laughs> weakening the nation state is just paving the way for world government. Oh, I agree with that a hundred percent. Do you feel like anarcho capitalism though? is almost like communism. It's one of those things everybody goes, it's never been tried right. And it, it just can't be, I don't think either one of them can be part any, if you get to, to the point where they're being used as they're intended, I'm not really sure that it would work. Communism and socialism never worked. Right. For the okay. Group. And I'm not, does so, that make sense? I would say that anarcho-capitalism would work in a community of 150 people, but communism would not. Right. So I think the natural size of a community of human beings is like 150. That's like how many Christmas cards you send and uh, how many people you can kind of keep track of personally. And well, that's it used to be called a community in neighborhoods yeah, and stuff. Yeah. And the yeah, that, school you grew up in, that was the way it was supposed to be. Yes. Mutual aid societies and stuff like that. And, yeah. and I do think anarcho-capitalism. So I guess what I'm saying is if you have strict property rights, mm -hmm. that can be the foundation of a truly free society. But if you have um, no property rights, if you have communal property rights, that can never work. I agree with you. I just think as you scale up bigger, like you said, 150, me and you agree on that. You get to Maybe. be 350 million people. I don't know how any of this. You I don't. I don't know how this works now, to be honest with you. But so. the problem is that right now, the the level of corruption in the control the sphere of uh you know what's who controls the world basically or the powers that be it's it's so corrupt ideology is beyond there's so much surveillance and censorship that they are going to increase their power not decrease it yeah. and i don't think that we have a lot of options on how to fight back i mean my my hope for humanity lies in humanity itself. Like they cannot really control us forever. Even the screens will break down or there's going to be AI. And it's, you know, at a certain point, we a do rebuild. have souls. A rebuild will have to happen. Yeah. I want to address Mike's point. He says it's old news that the left denies even now. 
so what? Like, Aquatone. what difference does it make? Well, so it depends on, in my opinion, the answer to so what depends on the paradigm you're coming from, your perspective. Because if you believe there's a true right and left and there's no accountability for the left and the right's held to different standards, then this is a fight worth having because then you go, wait a minute, they're denying it, but they did it. Because I read that full report. And again, if I'm coming at it from two-party perspective, there's things in there they said they can't prove that he proved there's crimes. They altered emails and texts, if anybody believes that, when they sent it to the FISA report. But if you're looking at it from the perspective of one bird, two wings, and it doesn't right. really matter, then all of a sudden it goes back to what you were saying earlier, in my opinion, that it's a distraction. And I asked yeah, you, great. what do you think they're distracting us from? And so it, I think it depends on how you're yeah, looking very, at it. Very, very well put. Thank you. Yeah. I appreciate that explanation. Thank you, Mike. I mean, yeah, I mean, it just depends on how you're looking at it. I mean, right. And 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 so I I kind of see both sides of it. What do you feel they're distracting us from, though? Well, I mean, the thing is, like with stuff like that, if Republicans were actually, when they had power, affecting the change that we need, it would be fine. But when Mitch yes. McConnell comes up on January 6th and says, "Oh." Arizona has to shut up. We need to certify Biden right now because for some reason, people on Trump's side made it impossible for us to continue this investigation into Trump's winning that election. Like that's Mitch McConnell being a complete traitor. Like that whole thing was, was uh, treason and to the country and to the party. So what for, to to say the Republicans are better than the Democrats because of this thing no. or the right or left to say, to think, yeah, I just I, I feel like the Republicans love being number two because big governments where the money is at. And when they're number one, they have to do more than just, you know, scream and yell. They have well, to actually to do me, something and they me don't. And you will, yeah. Obamacare, too. Ted Cruz had the right idea. They could have defeated it with process, even in the 11th hour, like literally the 11th hour. Mm -hmm. He did that little faux um, Jerry, whatever you call it, like, uh, you know, what's the thing when they stay forever? Oh, uh, uh, filibuster. Yes, he did that yeah. filibuster, but he was right. That would have worked. And every time that they had a chance to get rid of it while they, while it was still, um, you know, well, before it was too late, they didn't. So I don't. Well, let me let care. me let me agree with you on something as a Republican. I'm going to say something as somebody that views it from two separate parties, not the same bird. Right. Uh, I think Republicans are and conservatives are pretty tired of Republicans getting control and then not doing the things. I mean, Trump did some stuff, but there was no border wall. There was none of the stuff that he said we were going to get. But yeah, so I, I kind of think that um, I, I kind of think Republicans, the voters I talked to my, and the people, they're tired of um, they're just tired of Republicans when they get control. Yeah. They they hamstring themselves. They don't do what they say they're going to do. There's things they could repeal. There's things they could put in place. And but I see. But the, here's why I, I they I struggle. And this is why I think they are. It might be a screenplay because when the left gets in, they move forward. They steamroll. They put things well, out of there. Of course, because they, they're openly pro big government. And, and I think for some reason they brainwashed half the people to think that it's going to kick back to them. And, and that's why they like the have nots because right. those are the ones who think they're going to get a little something for the effort. <laughs> How many times have we seen where they just simply add another 
uh, alphabet administrative state to circumnavigate the Constitution and the laws. Uh, we didn't do it. The admin state did it. Oh, they can. But they enforce all of these laws at the end of fines, fees, jail time or guns. Uh, I think the vague and, and broad wording is intentional so they can fill in the meat. They can backfill in the meaning later after they find out what they yes, don't like you're 100%. doing. Yes. And what could go wrong with us giving technocrats all oh the gosh. power? Fauci. <laughs> Fauci. Fauci. <laughs> uh, Mike Thompson said on this, Monica's absolutely right. Ah, absolutely. Nice. Thank you. All right. Uh, uh, one more quick topic. Yep. Uh, 15-minute cities. I, they're t- everybody's like, I've got a buddy that posted, this sounds great. It's how convenient. I'm like, but we are willing just to give up all kinds of stuff. Yeah. For no, they used to call it the digital city, but nobody would go for it. Employers would not allow people to work from home and they so they decided to piggyback on covid and they say now oh look look at how great it was that we have restaurant seating in parking spaces and we can and and in their early pre-covid stuff they talked about eliminating parking in the cities about uh having work cafes so you're not even allowed to say you get 100 passes to, to drive in and out of your 15 minute radius that's not enough to go to work and back every single day. So yeah. people are not going to work. And the the vision there is so comprehensive. It's like transitioning to electric cars and then pointing out how terrible electric car batteries are for the environment and eliminating cars entirely. And, and a big problem with it is, so they want you local. And yes, you think that's great, but... If you know you can't have a, a drapery store in every 15 minutes, you have to go outside of that. And uh and there's all sorts of problems with it. Well, France just did something, maybe it was oh, this Paris. year last year. Yeah, about the two uh, two and a half hour flights internally. You can't they don't do they have to there's a thing now they just ban flights over like a couple hours in, in if you're inside the inside. Paris is on the cutting edge of 15-minute cities, and one of the reasons they want to limit the, I'm not sure if it's a chicken or the egg thing, but electric electric engines in a plane have very limited um, distance. So it could be that they're trying to segue into that. But one thing that they're going to do with those 15-minute cities that I find to be sinister is they're going to plant, and this was a Biden executive order, they want to take, they want economic integration. So they want to take like a upper middle class suburbs or whatever, and they want to put in affordable housing, which they will subsidize. Yeah. And I'm not even going to object to that on my philosophical They're doing it grounds. anyway, a lot of places, but yeah. But what they do with the pattern I've observed as I was studying some of this homelessness policy is they do things like that, which are absolutely 100% dependent on government subsidies. And then for whatever reason, they withdraw the subsidies. And what you have is a total breakdown of that original community. Then you have people who can't afford to live there. Then they, they I mean- Poverty increases theft and crime. Like that is what it does. And bitterness and, and jealousy of the human heart yeah. too. So and, it and seems we'll, this is happening a little bit in yeah. Chattanooga area where we see these homeless cities are being built intentionally. It'd be interesting to see with grant money. So yeah. it'll be interesting to see how how that works. Um, golly gee, oh, you just said something about um, the fifteen minute city that uh, Paris, that, the plains. Yeah, it was just no. It's my brain. I just need more. The coffee. executive orders know. of Biden. No, I don't remember it now. It's it's it's. I'll think of it as soon as I stop the podcast. But the fifteen minute city. Oh, I, yeah, see, they work. 
<clears throat> we're going backwards in so many areas. Yes. We're gonna we're segregating ourselves based off ideology. We yep. see people and race. having on graduate, yeah, on race. And now it's like we're going back to the small towns. I'm like, you know, I I, I would I don't understand. It's like we're going backwards. It used to be you had a horse and a buggy and a bike and you went to town to get your stuff and you go back home. And now it's like, yeah, we had it right the first time. It would be okay even if it were going back, but that's why that economic integration, they don't actually want it to have a community feel. That's so it. The, yeah. The worst, like, I, I don't think ethnicity and race is the cause of like conflict among communities. What it is, no. is different value systems, first of all, which comes with different religions, I think a lot of times, or non-religion or whatever, religious versus yeah. non-religious. And then um, extreme economic disparity is is a is a great cause of conflict but one of the organizations that's behind the 15 minute city is called something like degrowth or deindustrialization mm -hmm. or anti growth it's about right. it's about dumbing stuff down and i will tell you you're going to reduce productivity and that's when you start getting squalor so yep. it's not regulation it's nothing it's wealth is what keeps stuff clean in my observation Look, this is really simple do you remember the old movies where they would have the the chariots being uh the horse-drawn carts being pulled through where the people are digging in the mud and they're yeah. going up to the castle with the walls yeah they want everything outside the walls to do that I think that's Richard Poe's idea. I, I thought I had pulled out of the recesses of my memory. This guy I heard talk once 10 years ago ends up, he's like on Mel Kay. He's on all these like shows, Richard Poe. And I really don't know anything about him except for I remember him saying he gets the feeling with people like uh, Klaus Schwab that they yeah. just they just wish, they just want to go back. That's why they want depopulation. They just don't want all the rabble running around they don't like that's what the great reset is to my in, in my mind it's it, a reset means reset to zero yeah. all the registers go to zero now, they already have their they already have their mansions and walls and people yeah. with guns we need guns you don't and you saw how during covid the money went yeah. up yeah and you also saw how the ones in powers didn't actually have to mess with yeah. the same rules that we did you're, they you're, were out you're, going out to eat and getting their hair done and working out at the gyms and traveling and I'm now I want to use walk some, around the block. Some really foul language, so we better we better who end did? it now. Who do who does? You're about to. I would like like I, I would like to. You're gonna drop I'd like an to F cuss them out, but it's too much. It's too much. You ragamuffins <laughs> with your shenanigans <laughs> and ne'er do wells. <laughs> what is you, he? You. <laughs> your high jinx has frustrated me. Mug face pony soldier or something. <laughs> 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 Shush up, boy. <laughs> if you say that, apparently you're okay. Donald Trump says that.